calling the Angelica Crane and speaking how my assistant. I just have a quick question for you if you got a sec. Sure. I am curious. It's the holiday season. I'm wondering what holiday movie are you tired of watching? Hmm. I think it's called like a holiday story or something like that. A Christmas story? Like, the Christmas story, yeah. Welcome to the movies now. Let's all talk in the lobby. Let's all talk in the lobby. Let's all talk in that lobby. <laughs> Where the guy goes, uh, it's fragile. It must be Italian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. All right, hello, hello, and welcome to the second episode of Let's All Talk in the Lobby with Guth and Bobby, and this is our holiday spectacular. Ooh, let's get a little bit of holiday cheer going in the booth here. Tonight, we'll be doing uh, A Christmas Story. Peace, harmony, comfort, and joy. Maybe next year. The comic mishaps and adventures of a young boy named Ralph trying to convince his parents, teachers, and Santa that a Red Rider BB gun really is the perfect gift for Christmas in the 40s. There you go. There's a little plot overview for our film. And it's important to frame this as, you know, we asked um, our local box office today what is a christmas movie that they're tired of seeing that they think is overrated and this is the one we got and not surprisingly so not surprisingly but uh the war on christmas man it's not a holiday story no it's not it's a christmas story it is a christmas story and for this we i'd like to introduce our guest yes we have a guest today the wonderful the brilliant our lovely friend mr Jacob Steelman Hello. is on the podcast. Hello, Thank you so much for coming to our second episode. We're still working out the kinks and trying to figure this whole but show we're, out. We're happy to have you along for the ride. Happy to be here. Now, me and you, Steelman, we've seen this movie quite a few times. Millions of times. And Guth? I have seen this movie millions of times have also never seen it once all the way through properly watching it the way that you're supposed to. And this was the first time, if you would believe it, I'd ever seen this movie. I think that we, cause we were talking about what puts this movie in that echelon of people think it's overrated and there we're going to get into a bunch of them, but I think one of them is that if there is any movie that you play on Christmas, mm-hmm. it's going to be a movie that as that kids are not going to watch. Kids don't want to watch a movie on Christmas. I mean, kids want to watch a movie on Christmas. You right? think? I want to play with all the I want to play with all the shit I got. Well, watching Happy Elf like literally every day before and after Christmas. Yeah. I would watch a lot of movies before Christmas, but on Christmas I could not be yeah, bothered think, to be put, to put down a toy. I think, you know, Christmas movies are the anticipation for Christmas. They famously come out like around Thanksgiving or before like the actual holiday cuz yes. everyone's in the spirit. Yeah, you're not going to maybe watch a movie maybe late at night on Christmas, like night after everyone's unwrapped all their gifts Christmas, and they might throw something on, you Christmas know. Christmas Eve after dinner, we usually go see a movie. Elf gets Christmas Eve, I think, right? Christmas, I mean, yeah, usually. Elf, Elf gets 24 Elf hours of Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Story usually gets the whole day of Christmas. National Lampoon gets like a whole week. 
National Lampoon National gets Lampoon. a big one. That it was na- the ones that we were expecting were Christmas Vacation, yeah, and this one. And maybe I was also gonna say maybe A Wonderful Life if we got someone who was really a curmudgeon in it. about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, oh, most overrated Christmas movie though. I also want to start out with one I expected was any version of the Scrooge. Arc. Well, that's the one that it's just been beaten to death like a million times. A million There's times. so many different a uh, Christmas carols. Which one is what's everyone's go-to? Everyone's I mean Elf is the go-to. Elf is the modern I mean classic. everyone's go-to Christmas carol. Oh oh what version? Mm-hmm. I've got I, I, I like I like Scrooge. I have a really soft spot for Scrooge. Dude, I hate that movie. That's fair. That's what I'm I really I've only seen that movie once and just despise it. I think honestly. Scrooge, though, I think Scrooge does it, and I I think we got to shout out Muppet Christmas Carol. Those, those Muppet really Christmas. Sure. I've never seen Muppet. Christmas Muppet Christmas Carol. Carol is to me the one that bangs the hardest. Yeah. I think that one because I mean, the Muppets are kind of made for that type of story where it's like then you yeah, get the go yeah. the go the three ghosts are all your three of your favorite Muppets. It's it's a good one, it's but true. I do think that is has now become an overrated Christmas movie because there are so many versions of it. It's true. Um, but yeah, uh, what do we think of A Christmas Story? I will say as someone who had just watched it for the first time all the way through, and I say that because it's like, I'm sure we'll talk about a bunch, like this is the movie that's always on TV that like everyone kind of knows every famous beat of it, even if they... Like you're kind of for- this movie is forced down your throat. Like, yes, quite literally. I had never seen it all the way through, and I knew like all of the famous parts of it. But you know, it is charming at a lot of moments, and at the same time, you kind of see like why people are so tired of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, as someone who's seen this movie like really <coughs> zillions of times since I was a kid, uh, watching it again like all the way through with my friends, it was. Definitely way more charming than I remember. It's yeah, great. there's Ralphie a lot of good. So there's a lot cute. of good lines. Every time he does that stupid little face, it gets me. Uh, and you really want him to get that BB gun at the end. You do. And his brother Randy with that. Only one thing in the world could have dragged me away from the soft glow of electric sex. I mean, with lines like that, with you know. Like that. Yeah. Although, but actually, we were we were talking that that would be a big reason why people get annoyed with this movie. I think is because huh. of that. Like, the narration. I think that that might be kind of the whole thing with it is like the things that we're saying we love. We're saying the kids are charming, but also the kids are mostly cute. Like they're mostly just adorable. And I think mm-hmm. that if you come home and you, or if you're a kid and the holidays are you don't like the holidays or like if there's any bit of, of the hindsight of the holidays that is just like kind of so- sour for you. A Christmas Story is not going to be your movie because it is such a cynical look at the holidays. Yeah, it really leans into like the holidays aren't that great. They happen to you. You remember remember the holidays that you hold so fondly, you know, like when you're a little kid and you're wanting like some new toy for Santa to bring you. Like it looks at that like, yeah, it's so stupid. I mean, like... like you know, I, I think it is kind of cynical, but I also think that you are supposed to fondly remember the time when you almost weren't even aware of how bad everything was because of the yeah. magic of Christmas. And like, that's what I'm... Is, like, again, like as an adult, if you watch it, it's very obvious to see how bad of a time Ralphie and Randy are having. But when, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, it's still Christmas. You still get the gun. You still get to have all that fun. Mm-hmm. And that's more like, I'm thinking of like, if you went and your Christmas was... 
it was bad, and then I didn't get the gun. Like, if you had the Christmas where it wasn't like, oh, but I still had all these things to look forward to. Like, it, in this movie, Ralphie wanting a Red Rider BB gun is an affliction. Mm-hmm. Like, it is something yeah. that's plaguing him, this movie. It, like, this movie has no plot, and that is, like, the plot is just this BB gun, you know, that he really wants. He's torturing himself. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Everyone tells him, you're going to shoot your eye out. Yeah, and also... And incredible, like I think that this thing is also it is it works better now with hindsight too than me watching it as a kid, hmm. because I think when you're especially there's a sore spot I think when I was I kind of ch- changed my tune between like thirteen and seventeen when I was like this movie's not even fun the holidays are annoying mm-hmm. and now that I've like when I go home for the holidays and I have fun seeing my family and all that I go back and I look at it and I'm like oh I can look at this and be like yeah that is kind of that's what the holidays are. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a funny look at it. Yeah, it's it's the same reason why I think like people love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation so much is because it does show that like being with your family is insane, but that's what's fun about it. Yeah, that's like the worst and best thing about Christmas is you're stuck with your family. Yeah, and then I think the dislike comes from if it isn't also the best thing about it, then you're just kind of stuck with this movie about like a Christmas you don't really have. Except for the like the memories that you didn't like, because it is like it does have this like it has this cynicism, but it also has this like kind of unwavering sweetness to it in the narration and how adorable the kids right. are. And I could see also if you aren't if you find that schmaltiness annoying, this well, movie could really grate I mean, on the, you. The other thing that we talked about and we've pointed out is like this is a weird movie to watch as a kid. Mm-hmm. Santa is a creepy dude who pushes you down a slide. Like, yeah, the bully and like all of the things that are going on with school, like nothing works out for the kid in the slightest. So when you're watching it as a kid and you don't get the whole hindsight, like looking back at your childhood, you know, having the movie be a period piece, like not picking up on all that, you're just like, this what is this movie about? Literally, like yeah. you're just like oh crummy things happen to a kid on Christmas. Like yeah, I want to watch. This is making me feel uncomfortable. Um, I have one of the things that one Christmas I remember distinctly watching a Christmas story pissed off because I had got Skyrim that year on Xbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I put it in, and my sister's walking over the Xbox and she bumps it, and oh, something no. happens where it just starts spinning and it cuts the it cuts the disc so it cannot be played and it was the game i wanted that year and then my aunt comes on and she throws on nightmare before uh a christmas Christmas story story. and we're watching it and he gets the bb gun goes out shoots it ricochets breaks his glasses and i'm just like the classic conundrum i was watching this and i was just like man fuck this this is stupid too (laughs) relatable this is hitting home i was really upset about skyrim and i don't want to see it because like that's the other thing it's this build-up the movie has no story except the gun he gets the gun he uses it for two minutes shoots it once and everything goes bad like it was like he was told it would like if you're a kid it's also this thing of like adults are right you were just like romanticizing Mm. christmas and it like it kind of bashes you over the head with this thing of like you you're not able to make choices you just kind of this stuff happens to you yeah, right but, but that is what's so fun about watching it as an adult is because it is just like an hour and a half of kids being kids yeah that's really fun. yeah that is fun and you have your aunt who got you like obnoxious like i would always have to wear these 
overbearing pajamas because my aunt on my mom's side would get me these like huge, uh, really warm layered pajamas that she would want me to wear. And then I'd be burning on Christmas Eve. Right. So all of that stuff very much like resonates, I think, with a yeah, lot no, of people. Yeah, everyone, everyone gets the crappy pair of pajamas on Christmas. Yeah. The yeah. socks. Oh, throw those over the shoulder. Throw, yeah, there's that shot of the socks over the shoulder. That's good. I think the other reason why this movie like was so successful on television, too, is because the plot is so loose that you can come in like after the commercial break <laughs> and be like knowing exactly what's going on because it has kind of no relation to like the rest of the movie. That's true. It's because there's like, so many of the short stories because you have the narration to just like explain everything that's going on. Right. Yes. It's right. Perfect TV movie. That's a great point. Actually. Yeah. Um, and also we got to talk about the fact that this is a disputed Midwest classic. Oh my gosh. Okay, if we get into where the hell this movie takes place and like where are we the logistics in this movie, of it and how it like truly is something you can debate and just confuse the hell out of me when I was watching it. And then you go online and you look at the towns that claim this movie. Mm-hmm. And it is so fractioned in just the Great Lakes region. Right. Where it's like Chicago has it, a place in Indiana has it, Toronto has it, and Cleveland has it. Yeah, there's all these different places that are like, this movie is about our town and our people. And the movie is like, we're not going to say which one is actually that we're talking about. That's for you to figure out. And that's the. it's so funny that every town is like, this is our movie. But the yeah. movie is just making a movie that couldn't care less about where it's set. It's really I mean, just, so... It's, well, it's set in the Midwest. It's set in the we Midwest. Should, well, we should, it is set somewhere. And it is set in Harriman, uh, Indiana, which is not a real place. Doesn't exist. Now, the thing is, Harriman is a town in where? Illinois. Which is why the dude, and it's actually the town, it's named after the guy who wrote the book and does the narration in the movie. Uh, Gene Shepard. Gene Shepard. He names it after his after his hometown of Harriman, Illinois, but changes it to Indiana. For God, I don't really understand why, because then they choose to shoot all of these sequences in cleveland is like their Every big exterior set is yeah that i've been to the home alone house which isn't the home alone house it's the exterior of the home alone house is it no is no the christmas story house the yes the christmas we story got house. the illinois has, has the home alone i'm illinois house. i'm don't take that away from us yeah, yeah sorry I, hopefully that's true i'm, I'm crossing my lanes i've been to the home alone house that's in winnetka, winnetka. okay there you go um, in but i've been to the christmas story house it's just the exteriors but they've actually the guy who has it has set up like it's a whole Christmas like kind of museum it's like a lot of different stuff on Christmas movies and Christmas culture okay so it's pretty cool um if you if you're around do it they got like other prop yeah not just there, from not just a Christmas like... story and not just from that movie it's a lot of Christmas like kind of memorabilia what other stuff did they have in there let me look it up it's been a minute but I do remember being uh kind of surprised by the fact that they had a decent amount of things. Now, the thing, I've been to Cleveland one time on a layover for a flight, and I was like, okay, I got this layover. I'm going to go check out the Rock and Roll um, Museum, and I get an Uber to the Rock and Roll Museum, and the dude who 
picks me up is like, oh, where are you coming from? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm on a layover. I come from Chicago. And he's like, oh, Chicago, yeah. You know, Chicago, um, yeah, it's a lot like Cleveland, except uh, Cleveland, Cleveland's got a couple things that Chicago doesn't have. <laughs> and he proceeds to name, like, the big things that Cleveland's got. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to hear this. Like, what, what do you guys have that Chicago doesn't have? First thing he goes to is some street that you can drink openly. Yeah, I think it's East 9th Street. East 9th Street, you can just like crack a beer on the street and that's like super rad. Yeah, that's I was shit. like, okay, facts, I guess we don't have that in Chicago. Then his next one, we got a big old poster of LeBron James. Witness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like just a big advertisement for LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Is that still there? You know, uh, I'm going back. Because uh, the thing about Bobby's, he's from... Cleveland. From Cleveland, friends with LeBron. Uh, we'll have him on the pod <laughs> soon. Yeah, future uh, guest for sure. Future guest. I know, I don't think it is because they had it. I mean, how could it still then be Then they got rid of it. When he came back, we brought it back. I so assume now that he's gone. one of his points is not even a thing anymore, but he goes to the LeBron poster, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I was on my way to see, so I couldn't <laughs> really one dispute down. that one. <laughs> and then his big finisher, he's like, oh yeah, and uh, also... Uh, yeah, we got the house that they filmed the Christmas story in, so Chicago doesn't have that. Yeah, you and guys. I, mean, did. I had to. I had to just agree and nod my head and come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's a big Cleveland thing, but every set and everything that was filmed on the interior was shot in Toronto. All shot in Toronto. But Canada loves this movie. The reason that they filmed in Cleveland was because they searched like twenty cities and. For we're looking for a department store that would yeah. let them film inside, nobody. and nobody would do it except for Hig- Higby's in the ter- terminal tower. And in- what w- tell me about Higby's? Like, what is the vibe? Is it like a mall? Or? Higby's is now, I'm pretty sure, closed, but they oh, were really? a department store that was in the terminal tower at the time, and for a really long time was the tallest building in Cleveland and one of the taller buildings in America. Um, and at the bottom, they have that. We have a train station in there. There's like, it's kind of like a central hub in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And they had their department store there. So it was kind of, it is as they're talking about it in the movie, pretty much like that, where every kid would go downtown, look at the check window. out the window, go see Santa and Higby's. But like this, again, is set in the 40s, 30s. Like, how is that even still a thing when like you're a kid? Are you going to those? windows no not as much but my parent my mom was definitely like yes okay. higby's and was they still the place. decorated it like old school definitely they had the train going around okay. they did all that stuff gotcha. um and they also i took a home when we had a home ec class my teacher was like higby's is closed but it's the house it's in home alone uh it's the department store mm-hmm. and they used you to keep have on saying home alone but let, let's oh, just be clear and nightmare before christmas it's a christmas story <laughs> We're watching a christmas story it was yeah, the house in a christmas together. story right um and they had the best muffins, and he had the recipe for Higby's muffins. So we made Higby's oh. muffins in uh, home ec class, and they were really tasty. Nice. But um, yeah, so they film. They live on Cleveland Street, mm-hmm. which is also misleading. In yeah, that it because would be in Cleveland, it's showing Cleveland things. They're on Cleveland Street. License plates, Indiana. There's some references to Indiana, but then he's talking about. Cubs, the White Sox, which apparently yeah, let's go White Sox. I'm wearing a White Sox hat. Um, White Sox. Apparently, that is a popular thing if you like live in uh, Indiana, 
I forget what specific region in Indiana, but there's a lot of Sox fans in Indiana. If you're actually. in like Gary, right? Gary, you're like Indiana. the White Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but just confusing as far as like where's this movie even taking place? Yeah. And that comes a lot from the fact that this is an adaptation of these stories. And I think it's interesting to talk about this director, um, Bob Clark, meeting uh, Gene Shepard, the guy who wrote these. Um, they're really radio plays originally that these are based off of. Interesting. He did like a radio broadcast and would be this character and tell these stories. And when um, Bob Clark is driving home, he hears one of them after dropping off a date and is like, I'm going to make a movie out of this. The one he heard was um, the flick in the flagpole, I think it was called. Okay, yeah, so that was kind of about the tongue thing. I think that's the name of it. Let me see. Got you. I can have it right here. Well, okay, the thing that I found out that if we want to get into who this Bob Clark guy is and the kind of movies that he's into, you will never guess the first place that Gene Shepard is published as an author with these stories. Playboy. These stories appear in Playboy first, and that's why Playboy shows this every Christmas at the mansion. Hugh Hefner would show this with the bunnies oh every year. my God. So that's like, awesome. I mean, if there's a reason to like not like the sensibility that this movie has like if you look at the people that are involved it like makes sense why this movie just kind of has like this snarky bad taste kind of vibe and then we're off to it's greasy and then we're off to do porkies one through five not a finger not a finger (laughs) not a finger uh yeah super babies one and super babies yeah bob clark he gets super hot on this porkies movie that comes out before this which is like in the National Lampoon, Animal House kind of 80s sex comedy craze. Yeah. Which like looking back on. Doesn't age well. Does not age age well at all. It's just like. Like sexual assault. Yeah. It's just dudes committing a sexual assault and being misogynistic basically. A lot of movies that were just like, we're in college. Let's get laid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, it's just such a weird pivot. I mean, apparently this movie was really hard to get made and it kind of makes sense. Like, I think the only reason he was able to do it is because he did Porky's and then had Porky's 2 coming out and was like, riding that Porky's wave. Yeah. Yeah. He's bringing that heat with him. Yeah. Um, But that's crazy that also just Playboy used to be known for its editorials as well. Like that people would do like all of these the sections. The only reason and people like, know about Playboy editorials is so that they have some excuse to like say if somebody catches them reading a Playboy. Like, look who they're interviewing. <laughs> they do have some good interviews though. People have said some <laughs> crazy shit for Playboy. Yeah, it's it's kind of true. Um, yeah. It's just weird to think of it as like, um, right now we're just like, oh, it was just a nudie mag. But it also used to be like a nudie mag that had like writers on yeah, staff. and jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, it used to be a real magazine. It used to be a real magazine with boobs in it. Right, right. But now it's just... I don't even know. Has does boobs. it even have boobs in it anymore? I, I, you know, I can't say I'm up to date with what's going on. No, I only have 70s issues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um... So, I mean, these two meet, they decide to make this movie, 
and immediately shit goes wrong on the set because uh, Gene Shepard is just like talking to all of these kid actors and giving them all sorts of direction and Bob Clark is just like not about it. He he feels like this guy's just taking over his set and he eventually bans him from the set. Whoa. And he's not allowed to like be there while they're filming. Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That's funny cuz he's in a scene. He's in a scene and I mean he's in the whole movie doing the narration. But he just <laughs> he wasn't allowed on set yeah, after that. He just that. wasn't allowed on Jack set. The horse. <laughs> uh oh! Oh geez, I you know what I didn't even I didn't even mean to push that. I don't know who put that uh, mm. who put that drop in here. I mean, we'll get to that. That is not. Uh, I did not. It's really drop. not appropriate, Bobby. It's not, it can't be playing. I don't have. Can't be playing that. Stop! Don't. It's Stop really doing bad. that. It's not me. I think it's just the computer doing it. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, you have not, a racist computer. It's not goof. okay. It's not okay. Uh. But all right, what's everyone's favorite little vignette? If you've got, because it's all this is a it series is a of, of vignettes. vignettes. It's like it's yeah. a bunch of series we could do. One of my favorite parts is definitely the the kids with their teeth and the teacher and the the shot of the drawer. The goofy, the, the goofy, goofy teeth. teeth. Mm-hmm. The teacher, you should have seen that teacher. <laughs> they really, they get her. They, get they got her. the chatter teeth and uh, it's it's some fake rat poison or something. That stuff is so they got all the ga- gags. All the gags. In one drawer. I, as like someone who also grew up like in the 40s, I just think that this movie like, really <laughs> just kind of hits it. Like, almost perfectly. It kind of gets it perfectly right. Like, totally my dad and mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mom's always doing so So I, th- I feel like the thing... I, okay, so you said favorite vignettes. You go for the, the goofy teeth kind of intro... For me, um, I feel like the best bit is I love Ralphie's imagination. And anytime, like when he first is talking about the BB gun and he like imagines shooting all of those robbers from like invading the house, I that's when the movie was like, okay, this movie's kind of fun, honestly. Yeah, those are really fun. Here, wait, I'm gonna queue uh, up. Bill Lawrence gets his inspiration from when he makes Scrubs 20 years later. This is Black Bart Bites the Dust. This is a score on the. The score on the dream sequence when when he's dreaming about the BB gun. Uh, I also like how when he's writing the essay, he just thinks he's writing like gold. Yeah, that is actually one of the best jokes, is when it's like three sentences and it's just like, this is the thing I want. And I I don't want a football. (laughs) Like, that's all he says. Like, football is lame. It really is like an I'm not like the other girls moment. I love, like, the gibberish in this movie, too. Like, the way he says this line right here. (laughs) It's just, like, not even words. I wonder. He really knows the, like, cadence at which kids speak at. Yeah. Like well, the can thing control, that's like, interesting that I also read is that, you know, there's a lot of swearing in this movie, mm-hmm. but not yeah, real swearing. Right. There's, like, gibberish noises that replace. Yeah, so apparently that was all written out phonetically in the script. Really? And Yes. And they had to learn that gibberish. Whoa. That's really, that's I know. Really, really, is really that cool. so insane? So, like, when he's beating the snot out of uh, Farkas... 
that yeah. crazy uh uh the perfect bully dude i got a story about farkas too although you know bobby you should say your uh your favorite vignette moment oh my favorite vignette moment um i mean i was about to say it's hard not to go with him go uh, the dad but first in off, the nature is, of this yeah, episode well that's obviously a problem especially if you're watching this with your family but uh no if we're talking about the most overrated sequence i mean isn't that the one that has been that one is has that been still done. funny was that still were you guys still laughing at that I still think that it's a major award is pretty funny. Yeah. The fact (laughs) that build up to that and the fact that he's solving like crossword puzzles and then he gets something and he thinks that it's good. He thinks it's going to be a bowling alley and he's like, we're (laughs) going to go get the deed for it. And she gets him the bowling ball thinking that they had won the bowling alley. Yeah. Yeah. Must be Italian. He's he's really the glue that holds everything together. Now I go just the other way. Really? I think the mom is what truly ties this movie all together. Because if you look at how the relationships between the characters change, like they really don't at all except for Ralphie and the mom. Ralphie and the mom, she starts believing him and like not just going straight to punishing and like actually having some sympathy for this kid. The that might also be my fate. I think the sweetest scene is when he fights Farkas and he's beating him up yeah. and he gets pulled off and he won, but he's still crying. Yes. And it's like, oh, it's just like when you're a kid and you get so angry and like even if you've like accomplished the task, you've just gotten so worked up and your mom mm-hmm. like and when she pulls him off and she doesn't tell the dad and um yeah, and he's like, and that was a just secret. Just calm down. She puts the water on him. Like, yeah, go to bed. Just take yeah. some deep breaths. It's so sweet. And then she covers for him later. Like, oh, yeah. he just got in a fight and changes the subject like oh, immediately. Really quickly. One of my favorite sound effects maybe just in uh, movies ever is when uh, she's on the phone with the mom and she tells him and then the, the mom just on the phone just starts Mom, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah, that that is is really, really good. That is really, really good. I don't have that. I wish I had that drop, but I don't. And then... Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, I should not explain that. That's for later. I have have some facts. Uh, If we go into really the most amazing thing about this movie... It's the children. <laughs> I like there's few movies that really hold a candle to these performances as like kids. School of Rock mm-hmm. maybe the only other one. School of Rock. Oh my gosh, I love School of Rock, but but something yeah, that really it's, captures, it's really a like, toss up. And something that isn't capturing kids being like necessarily ultra clever. Just being like kids just are being funny kids. in just the way that they think and the way yes. they connect ideas. Yeah, no, no need to be precocious. Right. Just Well, one of the interesting things I heard that Bob Clark, the way he directed these kids when he was making this movie, was doing a lot of surprises and not telling the kids about a lot of the things that would happen in the movie and then just playing it however the kids reacted. So one of the best examples that I learned is the slide and the way they play that whole Santa thing because he was ex- first off. That's a real slide in that shopping mall that they actually Higby's? built, 
and they kept it up at Higby's for like a couple of years afterwards. But the kids, he built this slide. He thought that the kids would love it. And when kids went up there, they were so afraid and terrified of the slide that it became like a horrible thing. So when you see Ralphie's brother going down the slide crying, they're just like, that's that's the shot. He was like, not happy. We're going to play it as like a horrible thing that they're actually afraid of. That's so funny. So that's kind of like a cool, like just spur of the moment. Same with now if we're talking about that infamous scene in the Chinese place at the end. Mm-hmm. Bobby's favorite scene. He loves that scene. Bobby no, loves not. that scene so much. He, he replayed it, I think. Yeah, I think that's your favorite scene. When we were watching it, he was just laughing. It was really... It was a, it was a well, the whole cast didn't know what was going to happen. When they brought out that duck. Oh, and they bring out the duck and the mom that's screams. All, it's an improv. It's all a real scream when they cut off the duck's head. And then they laugh and that's so... Yeah. That's really great. That's, that's great. a really sweet moment, actually. It is. It is a sweet moment despite the... The racism. <laughs> the racism. The blatant racism. Um, yeah, no, that does not age well at all. It really dampers the movie too, and it's like unfortunate that it's at the end. It, it leaves it's like, yeah, it le- that's what it leaves you with yeah. is just like this racist cartoon of that's what's of fun about Chinese people singing Christmas carols. How quoted it is is the drunker someone gets throughout Christmas, the closer they come to doing the last scene of a Christmas yeah, story. Yeah, and and the more we realize, like you know. <laughs> Yeah, see me on Christmas. I'll be doing it all day. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, like you know how uh, TBS will air it 24 hours. Oh yeah, and that's the thing we can talk I about. It's j- the first. I think it's one of the first things to ever be aired 24 hours on a network. I only air the last scene 24 hours a day. <laughs> so did you guys know that for the 24 hour? Am I jump? Was I on a different thing before I jumped to that? Uh, what was I just talking about? Uh, that it was the first thing to be aired 24 hours. Okay, yeah, let's go with that. Uh, it's one of the first things to be aired 24 hours. It was aired 24 hours on not one, because originally it's aired 24 hours on TNT, and it does amazing. They had a sixth of the nation oh my watching gosh. this. Wow. I mean, because I guess it's like, what else are we going to watch? Oh, what's on TV? A Christmas story. Oh, this is perfect. It's, it's like two days till Christmas. It's the Christmas is one third yeah. of, the, of the title. One sixth of the population, they get like, I think like over four... I don't even remember the numbers. I'm not going to try and guess, but I know it's six of the country and they aired on TNT. Then they start airing it on TBS because TNT is like, we're serious now. We don't do that. We know drama. Yeah. We know drama and TBS like we're funny all the time. Funny Characters always welcome. on. Come on. Let's get the Christmas story. So then they start doing it. Then eventually they got so many people watching the simulcast, which is like, we know because we are these people. No one is watching a Christmas story. It is just on. Yep. It is just on. No one is watching it, but they have everyone just passively having this thing on and they decide, all right, let's bring it back on TNT and let's air it on TBS. Two networks casting it. Ted Turner just really loves a Christmas story. Lazy money. Lazy money. (laughs) Lazy money in the bank. You don't got to lift a finger. Just keep showing this thing over and over. That and guy. Reel it in. That is so insane. And that's the thing. We look at Bob Clark and we're like, not the best track record, but he can't be. He can't be needing the money. No, now he is. I, well, I wonder, like, how much of the cut he like the rights he still maintains. You gotta like, wonder, like, if 
they air your movie all day on two channels on yeah. a TV channel once a year, and one sixth of the country watches it. You gotta be making a decent check. It's true. And the ecstasy of unbridled avarice. I mean, it's true. I mean, the ecstasy. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out, kid. That's so, what people. I like John Candy. There's, there's so many strange voices in this. As much as we've gushed about this movie, I do think it's a little overrated. It's. I mean, it is a go-to in anyone's house because of these simulcasts. Yeah. That. That's why it stuck around. It wasn't a hit when it came out. Like, it's because people are just showing it to death that it's like you can't. And I also. Yeah, it's just a publicity it's, thing. It's rated. I mean, like, it's it's great. It's definitely not a movie that you should be watching. For any other reason. But, but because, of the, because of the vignettes, it's, like, one of the most perfect things to throw on while you're cooking Christmas dinner. You know, it, make, it makes, whatever, yeah. Because you have to give, like, 3% of your attention and you can jump in at any moment. So I wouldn't even necessarily say overrated. I think it's, like, it's, it, I, I definitely enjoyed watching it, but it's definitely overplayed. Way overplayed. And I could easily see someone making a great argument for going, well, play It's a Wonderful Life all Christmas Day. I don't need to see A Christmas Story. I like that movie more. And I also like that movie. There are other Christmas movies I would say I like more. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. There, there, There's not a lot of Christmas movies. There's a lot of Christmas movies better than this movie. And yet this is the one that's on nonstop every day all the time. Well, because I feel like this is... That's the thing is like this one is the one that's maybe the least annoying to be played over and over and over again. Like if it's because it's like we we're saying you can kind of pop in and pop yeah, out and not get like, lost because there's not really a story. It's a Wonderful Life. If I popped in halfway through, I'd be like, oh man, I missed all of like my favorite parts at the beginning too. Mm-hmm. You know, where if a Christmas Story, it's just like, oh, I can just watch this vignette and then I gotta go baste the ham or whatever. Yeah. Well, and then we get to I think that I think Pour that. Blurt it out. Blurt it out. Come on. Blurt it out. Uh, I think that um, Elf is kind of the one new of, version of this. It's the new version of it, but it's also, if you look at it compared to, we could go like A Christmas Carol and this, and maybe even It's a Wonderful Life. Elf requires a little bit more following than either of them. Yeah, but th- the difference is everyone has seen Elf. Everyone actually knows the, and I am making a generalization, but I feel like most people actually know the beats of Elf to the point where you can watch it on TV now, come in anywhere and know exactly what's going on because everyone's seen it. Right. But Christmas Story is just like, you understand what's going on because it was on last year and you, 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 you actually, I feel like I watched this movie before sitting down for real and watching it in one go through. I feel like I probably saw this movie like over the course. Yeah. Over the course of like. 15 years of my life you know yeah i think that and i think that that's the other thing was i was surprised when i was watching it the order almost in which the parts came where i was like i thought that i had seen this movie a million times and knew exactly what Uh was going to happen when it happened but i knew exactly what was going to happen i had no idea the order of events like well, cause the, it, do, it doesn't matter. Like, I wonder in the script if it's even like the way we see it now. Like we mentioned that thing where they get the tree and then they don't decorate it till like Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. Um, oh, and another shout out to one that I thought was way earlier in the movie, but they actually build up to it is uh, the little orphan Annie decoder ring. 
Drink well, I just your, lo- be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Drink your Ovaltine. A crummy commercial. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah, no, that that is so good. I just love the scene before that when he's like, "The only thing that could tear me away, yeah, is little orphan Annie." Just like, what? Why does this kid like <laughs> love Annie so much? It's so strange. And uh, then also the fact that he's in there for. No more than two minutes, and his brother is screaming that he has to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his brother just really, when you gotta go, you gotta go. His brother, yeah, Randy cries in a really, really great Some are Baptists, <clears throat> others Catholics. Can you play Not a Finger just one more time, just like a cackle to myself? Uh-huh. Not a finger! <laughs> um, Not a finger! But I think that, yeah, the grandpa, or the dad and the mom are the two best parts. Do you guys notice that when they're at Higby's, huh. the dad goes, when they go to stand in line, the dad goes off. I'm pretty sure they go and get drunk. That huh? Because fun. the dad goes off at Higby's and then he's coming back with all the people from Wizard of Oz and he's like walking and leaning and oh. dancing on them. And then the next morning during christmas he looks so hungover and so annoyed uh, by all of it he's like yeah ralphie you be christmas you be santa i don't care and i love though that the dad is this curmudgeon the whole time until ralphie puts on the easter yeah. or the bunny pajamas and his dad's like well, what the fuck get get, the, get my kid out of these he hates yeah, it yeah <laughs> he stands up for this kid in that moment and when he pulls he says you know there's one more gift left underneath the Mm-hmm. You that know, was behind great. Behind the piano or That's desk or whatever. That is a sweet little moment. I, though, I have never understood why his dad gets mad at him for saying fuck when he fixes the car. My dad, like, that is as far away. My dad would be like, all right, you can't say it, but we were working on a car. You <laughs> dropped something. Well, That's we don't okay. know what he said. He says fuck. No, he says, I said the big... Some men are Baptists, others Catholics. <laughs> That's all we know. Some no, men are Baptists and some men are Catholics. I mean... But he my dad's an Oldsmobile man. No, when he's uh, going out and he says, oh, fudge. And he goes, but I didn't say fudge. I said the, ma- the, F- the no, F-bomb. I got it somewhere here. He said, but it is, he says, the uh, the song in the score is even uh, Ralphie drops the F word. We don't it's, know. No, it, the thing is, oh fudge, and he goes. But it's I didn't one of say the it. best cliffhangers in the movie. Oh, <laughs> fun. Oh fun. Oh, he's fun. having so much fun. And then you figure out later that but, Rosebud's actually the name of the slug. No, he does go. But I didn't say fudge. Yeah. He says. He says the f word. Uh, you know, it's debatable. <laughs> it's people will debate it. It's a constant debate. Uh, right, you can really decide right. if we he can really says decide. So, fuck. what do you what do you think that he? What said? do you think he says? I think it's more four letter word well, starts with think, an F. I think it's more like an expressionist take. I think it's more kind of like his like death rattle, you know, oh, like it's sort of like the death rattle See, personally, I think this is a Midwest movie, and what he says is Frankfurter. Like, here, listen to it. Oh. Frankfurter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm thinking even, like, Flint, like, Michigan. Oh, yeah. Because, like, because it's a... Flint. Flint. And yeah. they're working on cars, so he's, like, Detroit, Detroit the auto city, you know. Oh. But um, I, from the Frankfurter perspective, it's like, you're supposed to say bratwurst. 
This but is ridiculous. On both counts, I do get a little confused with like my dad's old man style where it's like, okay, so you say fuck while you're fixing a car and you beat up your bully and you're, those are like two things that your dad would be really mad at you for. Uh-huh. Those are both things that I think that my dad would keep from my mom. Well, yeah, the, Insta- the parents are just very against their children in this movie. They are. And it, like, that's kind of the one arc that changes, I guess. With the mom, yeah. With the, and the dad, too, because oh, he gets yeah. him the gifts and he gets him out, out of the PJs. So it's kind of like they stand up for their kid by the end of the movie and like are kind of good parents, I guess. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. So there's there's a little something of a story. All right. So if you guys were going, if you did meet someone who said, I'm sick of so many of the classics. I don't want to mm-hmm. see a Christmas story. What is the Christmas movie you would recommend they watch instead that you don't think gets all of the hype that the rest of the Christmas classics get? Hmm. I mean, this is a good question. Steelman, do you have an answer? I, I, my answer is Miracle on 34th Street, but that's a, that's such a bad answer because I feel like that is one of the... I've never seen that movie. I haven't seen it. I, I think, think it, that could be a movie that's like older people know, but for like people of our generation... Lost in the shuffle because it's, it's black and white, so, right? It's so wonderful. Yeah, it's black and people white. don't want to watch the only black, black and white movies. movie that has stood the test of time is It's a Wonderful Life, as far as and Christmas that movies one's go. dying. You think? I think the way that people think of that movie is their parents being like, You gotta watch That's this, so and I, kids I in our generation are like, Dude, this movie's in black and white, it's boring. Have I, have I pitched to you uh, Miracle on 34th Street? I can pitch it in uh, three words, and I think you can sure go for it. Okay. Santa courtroom drama. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it writes itself. It writes that that itself. sounds pretty incredible. A few good men, but it's Santa. But it's Santa. You've got... You can't handle the Christmas. Christmas. Right. Um, you've got a nice little romance plot in there, and you've got a lot of Christmas. Me and my mom and my grandma watched it uh, last year, and we, we cried our freaking eyes out. The OG one. Have you ever seen the remake of it? No, with, with Matilda. Matilda. I think, there's actually, I think there's two. There's one that they made. There's like one that they made in the like 60s. Okay. And then there's one that they made in like the 80s. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I've not really seen any. I think I might have seen like a couple scenes. Yeah, you I've know. seen the. Really I think I've seen like the very last scene, but that's it. It's yeah. Super fun. It's like it's like if you just want like another. I mean, they, it's it proves that they've just been making like anti-capitalist Christmas movies forever. But if you're looking for that, Miracle on 34th Street is a really good one. Mm. Bobby, Sweet. what about you? Um, Die Hard. Bobby loves Die Hard. No, but yes, I'm glad you brought that one up because I think that would be a pick that I'm at one point people would say Die Hard is like Die Hard their is Christmas underrated movie. Christmas movie and now so many people have said it and it's so far from a Christmas movie that I'm like it's mm-hmm. back to being overrated it's just like yeah. a bunch of dudes who don't like Christmas movies saying this is a Christmas movie so yeah. I can watch Die Hard No, that is so fair um but the thing is like I love when movies that aren't a Christmas movie like decide to set their movie that's, in that time period it's like really kind of fun that's what i'm saying with the apartment the my apartment pick. apartment is a good pick but also like arguably too sad for a christmas mm, you need the uplift and die well, hard delivers on with, that it, got, it's got, a wonderful life though it's a wonderful life at the end is just you know my favorite life. line like, i would i would even say like the apartment goes to much deeper depths i don't know deeper depths man. of sorrow yeah 
Yeah. Dude, yeah, it, the apartment's like really. I mean, it's still like a goofball comedy the, though. The apartment though, the, the first the first 30 more. the first 40 minutes doesn't have our main character trying to jump off a bridge what, though. You should set up the apartment for people that have not heard of it. The apartment is about Jack Lemon. Uh he allows all of his higher ups at work to step on him by letting them rent out his apartment to take women to. And then at one point, this is fun for the whole family. Yes. At one point, his manager takes uh, his crush there and she tries to kill herself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, Christmas at the Christmas party at work, he finds out about all of this. And um, then she goes back to his apartment and what about what time does he, she go back to uh, his apartment? Which one is it? Yeah, she. What? Holy smokes! It was six forty-five. Oh yeah, that's right. That's when. That's about what time she went back to. <laughs> yeah, she goes back to. Or she goes to his apartment. Comes back. At what he time? Finds out Holy around six smokes! It was six forty-five. Oh, that's when he went. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then when she goes back, she tries to kill herself, and he finds her, and that's kind of... Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, but it's suicide notes and uh, affairs. But I think that that might be, if you are sick of like the schmaltziness of a Christmas yeah. movie, maybe does capture... like if The you're kids a, have gone to bed. If you're... Or even... And you're ready to fall asleep to a... Even you're like, I'm alone on Christmas. I could use something that like oh. will boost my spirits a little, but like still still hits home with me, you know? Mm. Like I think it's kind of a good movie if you're like kind of down on your luck in your 20s yeah. for Christmas. All right. Dude, I don't know. I think that movie would bring you down in my Well, opinion. you know what I think? I'm going to dare people to watch it. In fact, I'm going to. I triple dog dare you. To watch yeah. this movie. I, I think the apartment is wonderful. And it, whether it's Christmas or frankly any time of the year, I'll sit down and watch the bar because it's a good movie. Yeah, it's a I don't think time. I also don't think I'm gonna come out of a B- Billy Wilder movie and be like, man, that's the most depressing Christmas movie I've ever seen. Yeah, no, no, it's it's got its fun gags, you know. It all comes together in the end. Guth, what is your what is my if pick? You're gonna swap one out. You know what is an underrated Christmas movie that needs more love? You know, okay, this movie has its problems, but I. Th- did enjoy it the one time that I've seen it in theaters, and that is office a night party. not office Christmas party. That movie is horrible, and I really urge people to stay away from that movie because it's <laughs> not funny at all. But came out like around the same time, the night before, with um, Seth Rogen, JG, and uh, yeah, um, Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Sam. Uh, the dude, the dude from uh, Marvel, the Falcon. Whoever plays the Falcon. Oh yeah, they uh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, thank you. The three of them embark on a night, um, out in New York on Christmas. It's the night before Christmas, and they party and just have fun. I, I actually haven't seen that one. Is it? Is it good? Is I it I good? like haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters, but like. It's just three dudes like having a fun time and like struggling with having like moved on with their lives because they're like childhood friends that meet up every year the day before Christmas to hang out. And it's like this tradition that's like dying and they're like struggling with their like relationships as friends while they're also trying to like relive this tradition that they always do. It's really it's fun and sweet. I, I liked it a lot. 
And then I'll throw one more in for people who are looking for a movie around Christmas, but it's not about Christmas. And I'd say Edward Scissorhands. Oh Edward Scissorhands. You know, that's honestly maybe the pick. It's got like enough of that Christmas cheer. It's about the first time dark. snow came to a town in L, like in in yeah. California. Yeah. But also, if we want to, if we're saying not that, if we're saying that not the apartment's finger. gonna bring you down, it's not a scissor. Scissors only. Not a finger. <laughs> if we say the apartment is too big of a bummer, yeah, you're going to yeah, be yeah, that's kind of fucking true. tatters. Oh, by this the is end. definitely after the kids go to sleep. But I mean, okay. Yeah, you're going to need to be checked. But, but I think people do sometimes need a movie that's a bit of a downer for Christmas. Because sometimes there is a cynicism to how upbeat these it, movies it's get. Also, mm. it's, also, it's, it's not a movie that like revels in. Like, it, it makes you feel beautiful and how sad it is. Where it's not just like depressing. You, yeah. you don't feel like worthless or right. at the end of it. But True. it is a Frankenstein story. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's still Tim Burton-y. But I think that really the, the reason we bring it up is because like... We're gatekeeping Christmas movies. Like, there's so many movies out there that fit in the holiday, like, time period. And we're like, no, you can only watch, like, these five movies. I like, the, I like the Harry Potter movies of some kind. Yes. How got encapsulated Those are in Christmas, Christmas movies. movies. They're always, like, just having Christmas They're just at the some coziest point. feeling, yeah. too. You yeah. Just, they're hot chocolate movies. Yes. Yes. F- fuck it. Put on Lord of the Rings. Those are some good picks. Jack Frost. Jack Frost. Oh, the Santa Claus. Santa Claus three. Yeah, no, actually, you can skip that one. I think probably. Actually, do you guys like the Santa Claus? I think the first one's good. I think the first. One's um, pretty fun. I think the first one's pretty fun. I it was never like, I I never felt like it knocked me on my ass or anything need, like that. We need more deadbeat dad movies. What was the last good deadbeat dad? Dude, we've had, but there were so many really horrible deadbeat ghost dad. Jack Frost isn't even that good. No, last? Jack Frost is horrible. No, it's terrible. What was the last good uh, deadbeat dad movie we had though? Um, mm, d- uh, See, Big Daddy. Big Dad. That's the nineties, guys. We, uh, I've got a script. Daddy Long Legs. Uh, oh, there was. There's got to be some movies I've seen recently about. Oh, what about repeat. Uncut Gems? That's not a. He doesn't have a dad. He doesn't have a child. Yeah, he does. Does he have a child? In yeah, he movie? has two kids. Does he really? Yeah, and he puts them in danger constantly. No. He's a deadbeat dad. No, you're lying. No, I'm not. No, he's he's got a son. You remember they play basketball? They mm-hmm. do, do they actually? Yeah. He's yeah, got he a little hoop in his in his room. Are you sure that's not bedtime? They, listen, they do not pay <laughs> a lot of attention to the child in that movie. It's so. not really about the kids because he's a deadbeat dad. Yeah, he's a big I, deadbeat yeah, dad in that I'm movie, more, though. I'm more focused on uh, him. I'm more focused on the bets. Dead the horse. <laughs> we gotta stop, stop playing that. Yeah, Bobby, I don't know sure. why you had stop your Stop accusing pause. me. I didn't even want it here. Blurt it out. We were asking everyone what, uh, what drops we wanted for the show today. Bobby was like, make sure. Randy lay there like a slime. I didn't do that. Oh my gosh. Um, Madness. Uh, okay, to bring it, I'm, I know we kind of went off topic of a Christmas story, but I would like to circle back because I want to talk about the child performances, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about this man, uh, Peter Billingsley, because he is Ralphie, oh, right? Yes. And the thing about him is you've seen him in other things and you haven't realized that he's in it. What else is he in? 
So I'm going to name the movie. I'm going to see if you guys can guess where he appears. There's really only... Yeah, this can be a competition. Bobby, give us some competition music. Uh, there's really... I think there's only going to be one question. You can just do some Christmas uh, Christmas music or something. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So, the movie in question, another Christmas classic. Maybe the biggest Christmas classic of all. Elf. Ralphie... Makes a cameo in Elf. Does anyone remember? No, that's John Favreau. That's John Favreau. uh, Does he play one of the workers at the mall? No, he does not play one of the workers at the mall. Is he? Oh, I know who he is. Who is he? He is one of the elves talking shit. That is exactly right, he's the, Bobby. He's the one with the glasses on, isn't he? Yes, it? he's the one with the glasses that's like, you've only had this amount of Etch-a-Sketches today. Yeah. And he's the guy that like, he he's like, buddy, oh man, they keep on sending him to... Where he's like, I yeah. want, he's a nice guy. He's never he going to figure out that he's a human. That's him. That's Ralphie. Wow. Okay, now cut the music. The thing about this, guys, is the connection goes further than that. Can you play the extra? <laughs> because he also appears and this one there's no way you're gonna guess in fact i think i might have brought this up recently so maybe you would know but <laughs> um he also appears in john favreau also directed iron man oh yeah we were, i remember we were because we were talking about it i think he is the guy jeff bridges says look up um uh, Peter Billingsley Iron Man and look at this guy's head in this movie look how they made him shave his his head it looks so terrible um, but yeah he is he's in two John Favreau movies yes he is totally the guy oh my god they just <laughs> they but, just like took a buzz cut raise go to images like, go images specifically make your hair look like shit yeah they, they're just like we need you to look really re- look at that no, no, yeah, that's just absolutely He still looks so much like okay, Ralphie. Okay, so the thing that's so crazy is you might be thinking to yourself, he shows up in Elf, he shows up in Iron Man, both of them directed by Jon Favreau. What is his connection? Jon Favreau famously doing swingers with who? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. He has a connection with Vince Vaughn. They become friends when they're young actors in um, California. And they star in an after-school special that's all about um, not using steroids. Wow. And Ralphie's a junkie, and Vince Vaughn is his friend who convinces him not to do steroids. And that's like dodgeball. Here's the thing. They still acted out together. They have the script, and they read it live together on stage. That's so And I have so a little excerpt fun. of it. I met... Vince originally, and it is a true story, on the steroid after-school special that we perform on stage. Now either you stop using that junk, <laughs> or I'm gonna tell your mom. <laughs> you can't tell my mom. I have to tell your mom, Joey. This steroid abuse has to stop. <laughs> I'll kill you. Ah! <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <sighs> I don't know what the crowd's is. And then it turns into Deal or No Deal or something. And this is uh, <laughs> Peter Billingsley's scene with uh, Jeff Bridges in Iron Man 1. Oh, okay, yeah, let's listen to that. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. 
<laughs> With a box of scraps! Wow, he just got to get laid into by Jeff Bridges. That's pretty fun. That's pretty much it for him. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, but some pretty iconic scenes. Pretty iconic iconic scenes, scenes and one dude. more iconic movie because we were we've the highlight of this one is how he directs kids. Well, he got the reins on two very special child product projects known as uh, Baby Geniuses One and Super Baby Geniuses Baby Geniuses Two. That's right. And this year you're talking about the director of Bob Clark. Yeah. Bob Clark. He was able to, he was able to take his experience directing Porky's an adult sex comedy and uh, <laughs> children and combine it for Baby Geniuses. And Baby Geniuses is like widely regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. Only to be beat out by its sequel. Let's watch the Baby trailer. Let's Super watch Baby the trailer Geniuses. for ba- Super Baby Geniuses 2. two. Baby, no, Super Baby Geniuses 2, Super Baby Geniuses. They put the subtitle yeah, first. In, in Super Babies, Baby, Baby Geniuses 2. Oh. Yeah. That, I, awesome? that is awesome. Now, this was directed DVD, right? Uh, this no, is not I saw this in the theater. theater. You saw oh, this in the theater? I'm, 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 John I'm, Voigt. Box office 9.49. 9. Here, let's get a little taste of what this movie is. Easy Wheels started as my college uh, project. Yeah, really we'll keep going, just going. Oh yeah, we'll mute that. And here we go. Right, let's check it out. When an evil villain <laughs> Wow. Cartoon villain laugh. John Voight is looking insane. Yeah, that's... There is only He's one gonna steal the children from the television set. Here, just go down. Sorry about that. <laughs> now it will take a legendary hero. Why don't you pick on something? Okay, these babies are doing like digitally rendered tricks, and they got muscles. They're making these babies talk. All right, kids. We're about to have company. Nice All right, that, this is enough for Super Baby Jesus. Every, I mean, this just looks absolutely horrible. To fix the Steel pacing man. of how they got every shot, they've also like changed the frame rate, so everything's moving really fast. It just you looks like a crazy like, cartoon. I just like when the baby burped. It did make <laughs> me smile. <laughs> it did. This is them fighting. These are all the babies fighting. Is she going? Babies in the mall, and they're walking. I mean, this is just a real fall from grace from this guy. Yeah. Um, but who, who knew that, like, the most, most respectable thing that he would do would be from the publication of a Playboy article? Like, that's pretty sad. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're the guy who did Porky's, maybe it's yeah. not too shocking. No, no, no. It makes sense. It's just still really sad. <laughs> but, you know, the thing that is really crazy is they just released a sequel to this movie. Did you know this? It's on HBO Max. It's a brand new sequel to the movie. And I actually brought um, the voiceover that they use in this movie. I haven't watched it, but I was able to just get a couple clips of the voiceover. So maybe we can try and piece together um, what the story of this movie just through the limited amount of uh, voiceover that I have. So let's, let's check this out. Here's the first one. Language is the key to world peace. If we all spoke each other's tongues, perhaps the scourge of war would be ended forever. Wow. I mean, 
right off the bat, <laughs> I mean, this movie's going for the jugular. It seems to be a very different tone for a Christmas story. I mean, I like it though. You know, like uh, I, I mean, should a we listen to that again? Political take. Let me let me hear that back one more time. It just seems so odd. Language is the key to world peace. If we all spoke each other's tongues, perhaps the scourge of war would be ended forever. I guess that's true. If we did, maybe they're they're learning from their. You know what this movie's telling? You? We're learning from our mistakes. Yes. We know that we had that really racist scene um, in the first one. What if we all spoke the same language? Then we would bring about world peace. And right away, Ralphie is setting his eyes towards what? Steelman? The future, the future and solving what? World peace, yeah. He's now he's like almost like a vigilante. They're capitalizing on the superhero thing. And I mean, I think that really does summarize the spirit of this movie and Christmas, which is peace on earth and peace goodwill on earth. towards men. Ah, uh, true. Let's let's keep going and and see if we can piece over what's going on with Ralphie in this this uh, reboot. All music is important, Dick. It's the universal language. One of our best hopes for the eventual realization of the brotherhood of man. I mean, wow. He's Ralphie really, is just spitting fire. He's I mean, asking the big questions and getting yes, to the bottom. Music. Of it. That's the universal language, Dick. I don't know who Dick is. Maybe that's his kid or something like that. Maybe it's like his boy sidekick or something like that. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, what a weird turn. This is not the same. It's, it's really refreshing, though, honestly. Yeah, it is not. Okay, one thing I'll notice. Not one reference to Christmas. No, not no guns, no Christmas. No, no, no BB gun. More talking about Christmas. He doesn't want toys bad. anymore. He's grown past He's that. He's kind of like the Scrooge. That is so. He's rude. the Scrooge that's woken up from the dream, and yes. it's it's. What if we stuck around with that guy? For I a think while, it but. also might tie back to uh, what she called it at the beginning of the phone call. A holiday story. A holiday story. Mm-hmm. Let's see if this next audio clip confirms that. Well, it's okay, Chum. We all have the right to be selfish sometimes. Wow. Now, in a Christmas movie, that's pretty interesting. We all have the right to be... I wonder if he's talking to the Grinch in that scene. You don't see that much. You don't see much in Christmas movies. Selfishness being tackled is like an idea. Everyone wants something for Christmas. This movie's like, (laughs) we're going to admit it. Everyone is selfish on Christmas. We all want want toys and presents and stuff. Yeah. And it's honestly, I mean, you can tell, you can tell, like, now that we're in, you know, just the sort of landscape, media landscape where it's, like, all crossovers mm-hmm. and stuff. It's mm. like, let's get the Grinch in here. Let's get the Grinch in here. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's have Ralphie, let, like, let's have Ralphie birth the Grinch. The Grinch. And I think they have, like, a lot of Socratic dialogues, which is just refreshing to see, I Well, think. I want right. to see a multiverse where uh, the Grinch steals Ralphie's BB gun when he gets it in, like, an earlier Christmas. And I want, I want to see the version of Ralphie in that multiverse. And maybe like that makes him like hate Christmas, and then the other Ralphie who loves Christmas because he got the BB gun. Oh, like multiple timelines. Yeah, kind of like Back to the Future. They have to fight each other. Everything. Let's see if this next audio clip confirms that. Yeah. Yes, it helps give us a sense of proportion. Reminds us how little we are, really. People tend to forget that sometimes. Yeah, because you're in a multiverse. He's clearly talking about space in that clip. Clearly talking about the Christmas multiverse. In this. One, it's not a BB gun, it's Rick and Morty's portal gun that he gets. That could be it. It could be the portal gun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that also we need to address that this, uh, yeah, there's unlimited crossover potential to have your uh, main Christmas protagonist have a gun. 
and just like what we can do like with like if you wanted to go and have him do uh i don't know maybe die hard or uh i actually would just really quickly like to address the elephant uh, in the room hello elephant so i'm sorry i just we it's been i'm glad we talked to him it's been kind of on my mind since the beginning of the podcast uh but i think uh no i think that this looks like a really exciting movie, and honestly, I wasn't I wasn't interested in watching it. But now that we've heard some of these clips, I think that there's actually a lot. They're, they're digging really I mean, deep into the Christmas experience. As long as I'm getting they my multiverse are. Christmas I mean, this, movie. This is not your average Christmas movie, is, and I think I'm. This is this could maybe be the last Christmas movie. I mean, I think this could wrap up all the universes, figure out how we can tie it all up, and finish it off with Ralphie. The old Ralphie and and I got two more clips and I feel like we're gonna get to the bottom of like what this movie's vibe is. And then before we wrap up, I want to do one last little segment and then maybe wrap it. Oh yeah, no, I think we can do a couple segments and we got time. You know, you know, we're fine. We're fine. All right, let's listen to this. When dealing with powerful criminal elements, one can never be too well prepared. That's such a good point. Yes, and really important to remember during the holiday season. Especially and when you have a gun. This is a Ralphie that has had experience. He knows that he's not going to be the kid that doesn't he gets have pushed the preparation. By he's know? not going to get pushed. Yeah, he's gonna, this yeah. time he's ready for Farkas and he's going to meet him at his front door. And he has a gun. He's got a gun now. It's not just a BB gun. Like, Because that's the thing. If you're making another Christmas story, you have to start out on the fact that we ended with our hero being armed. Yes, that's so true. Well, this last one to sum it up, this is actually the last line in the movie. So this is going to answer, I think, a lot of the questions that we have as far as, like, what is this movie? Who's the dick guy that, like, we keep hearing about? Like, let, let's just listen to this last, uh, this last line in the movie. Sorry to spoil it for you. Precision, Dick. Precision. The key to success in life as well as in sports. <laughs> the key to life as well. Let's let's listen to that one more time. Precision, Dick. Precision. The key to success in life as well as in sports. Oh. oh so it was a football. It was a sports movie. Yeah. That's what it was. He, he wanted a football for Christmas. And now he wants it again. All right. Well, that about does it on um, I got a Christmas story. Thing. Well, do you want to do some of the other? Uh, Are we gonna do Buscemi bonds? Buscemi bonds for sure. You want to take this one? Uh, yeah, I'll take this Buscemi bond. So, Steelman, um, what we do here on the show, one of the fun games that we like to end our uh, uh, our episodes on with, uh, is have you heard of the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Oh, well, of course, I invented it. You invented that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, five other people. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Uh, we ha- play a similar game, but with Steve Buscemi, and it's called Buscemi Bonds. Buscemi's in the office. We're right trying now. to get to Buscemi from a Christmas story, oh. so we have to keep connecting actor to actor until we get to Steve Buscemi. Um, I think honestly, what might be fun, Bobby, is what if we take turns? You say this to this, the next person that to that, this to that. I think we already did it. I think we're I, like. You think we already did it? We already did it. How so? How so? We've got what? Who plays Ralphie? Uh, Ralphie is played by it, the classic uh, actor that everyone knows, Peter, Peter Billingsley. Billingsley. Peter Billingsley was in what movie? Iron Man. With who? With 
Uh, oh, of course, Jeff Bridges, Who who's in The Big Lebowski. Oh, that's the second. Yeah, that's the second time we connect with Big Lebowski. You can jump that one pretty quick. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a lot of people in that movie, and it is one of the best from Bushams. So that's the Bushemi Bonds. Bushemi Bonds. Um. So who wins in a like a fist fight? Ralphie with a BB gun or uh, Will Ferrell from Elf? Ooh. I mean, yeah, Ralphie's, Ralphie's a, kid, a little tiny kid, and he's got a gun. Elf. But Will Ferrell, I would has like that to see the new Ralphie from the remake take on the Elf. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we can talk about that one next year when we see the new one. I would like. Yeah, the new, maybe so. I would like the new Ralphie to have to try to shoot Krampus. Oh, mm. Krampus, also an underrated Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as uh, anything else we want to cover here on this episode, Bobby? No, I think I... Wait, can I, I, think I, about can it? I plug something? Yeah, really oh, you want to plug something? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I'd like to quickly plug my damn nose because these guys smell so freaking bad. Wow. Nice, nice, nice. That is really unfortunate. Uh, the, okay, last thing that I'll say about the... Um, uh, the connection between Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley. Peter Billingsley produces the greatest television show of all time that no one's seen, Dinner for Five with John Favreau. He oh, is the executive shit. producer on it. And if anyone has not seen Dinner for Five, check it out. It's so awesome. It's just five people around a table with John Favreau, and they just talk about the entertainment industry. And if you like movies and you like hearing people talk about entertainment, oh, there's nothing better. Look it up on YouTube. So with that, I think, uh, I think let's play some set. freaking Christmas music and call it a day. I hope you guys all have a lovely Christmas. Thank you for joining us here at uh, the Let's All Talk in the Lobby podcast with Guth and Bobby. And special guest Jake Steelman. Thank you guys so much for uh, having me on your show. It was a real hoot and a half. Absolutely. Thank you for coming and a Merry Christmas to you all. Happy holidays.